Would you like to win a $20 Amazon gift card? Subscribe now and comment on the video in the card above to enter. Plus, you'll get hours upon hours of scary true stories from me. You simply can't lose. Would you be my Valentine? I promise it won't hurt. Well, not too much. This world is a strange one. Thanks to you guys, I've received some amazing submissions of true stories of Valentine's Day horrors. There will be stalkers, psychos, and maybe even a ghost. No one is safe this Valentine's Day. So whether you're alone or with a special someone, sit back and relax. I'll give you a few reasons why Valentine's Day just might be deadly. Well, a few good stories, that is. So enjoy these allegedly real Valentine's Day horror stories. Before we start, a recent Philip DeFranco video made a good point. It's important to have a backup beyond YouTube where my audience can see updates or new videos. So if you love this channel, please check out the links in the description and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Dailymotion. These are all great ways to support us. Thank you. Now, without further ado, let's listen to these bleeding hearts. Number one, Valentine Ghost Story, submitted by G Seed. In 2012, I lived in a small town in Wisconsin. That year quickly became a year I will never forget. In short, I lived a ghost story. Honestly, I never thought Valentine's Day could be so creepy. Our little town had its own urban legend, and it was something I was somehow unaware of, despite having lived there for about three years at the time. Anyway, let me get started with the actual story. It was a week before Valentine's Day, and junior high school was running along slowly as usual. We were beginning to prep for our cheesy little Valentine's Day thing. Our school's locker had those little vent slits in the door, and every year in between second and third period, the school would give everyone an extra half hour to slide those lame Valentine's cards into people's lockers. I never actually participated in handing out cards, but I still decorated my locker with my name, like most everyone else. That's because people often gave candy bars. I'm talking full-size candy bars, and I didn't want to miss out on that aspect of it. So, before the big day, I sat quietly at my first period desk and I created the most half-assed name card to tape to my locker. And when the big day did come, I waited to see which fish I would catch. And by fish, I meant secret crushes who had some chocolate to give. On Valentine's Day, after fourth period when the lunch bell rang, I decided to stop by my locker to take a look at the diabetic bounty. But there was only one thing in there and it wasn't sugar. Inside, there was a folded up piece of notebook paper. It looked like it had been torn from a journal and there was red lipstick on the upward facing flap. I was immediately disappointed, but my curiosity had me opening up the sliver of paper before I even knew what I was doing. As I held it, a girl walking by stopped and gasped and then she just kept walking. This was awkward and weird, but I thought nothing more of it at the moment. I looked down at the simple message scrawled on the note. It said, low water bridge, 10 p.m. It's been a while. That was it, no name or signature, no X's or O's. If whoever this was really thought I'd go alone to that old bridge at night, they were crazy. 
I mean, for all I knew, the janitor threw this in my locker and he was planning to do something very illegal to me. I almost threw it away, but not before showing it to my friend, Ethan. Ethan took one look at it and he made the same face that that girl had made when she walked by my locker. What, do you know something about this? I asked, I was confused. Maybe, he smiled, he looked conniving. Ethan was the kind of person who was never not joking. I'll let you in on it if you take me with you. Screw that mess, man, that's how people get killed. I couldn't believe he wanted me to go out there. Trust me, you're not gonna get hurt or anything, he said, seemingly worried that I might refuse still. I'll even bring my dad's gun. Dude, we have to go. And when I get shoved into a pedophile's van, I remained adamant. He thought it over for a moment, and finally he rolled his eyes and replied, I'll pay you a hundred bucks. I'll protect you and pay you. I'm that sure about this. I just, I gotta see something. By now my curiosity was overflowing, so I gave in. Fine, I looked straight at him, but I swear to God, if this is a prank or something, I'm going to throw you over that bridge. After school at about 9 p.m. that night, I told my parents I was tired and that I was heading to bed early. I walked to my room, locked the door, and climbed out of my window. I made my way over to Ethan's house. His place was only a few blocks from mine. Then we headed together to Low Water Bridge. Now, Low Water Bridge was a local old bridge that didn't serve much of a purpose anymore. Back in the day, it carried people over a deep creek, but now there was literally no water under it. It had dried up. Even when it rained, all that would flow below it was a two inch deep stream hence the name Low Water Bridge. Besides, no one ever even drove over the thing. Everyone was so afraid that the bridge would collapse even if they walked on it. It took us 45 minutes to walk there. The hardest part was hiding in the bushes whenever we saw a car coming. It was so close to curfew, someone would definitely suspect something or knowing my luck, it would be a cop and we'd be totally screwed. Luckily though, no one saw us. We made it to Low Water Bridge without too much of a hassle. Once there, we waited in some nearby brush. The wooden bridge looked so dilapidated. I was surprised that it could even support itself, let alone the air above it. As we waited for 10 p.m. to come, Ethan seemed to be acting strange. He was quickly looking over his shoulders and his eyes were so wide. At one point, he jumped when some small animal moved about in the woods next to us. What's up with you? I whispered. It's, it's nothing, man. Just keep your eyes on the bridge. He sounded so anxious. Soon enough, it was 10. I stood up, stretching my tired legs after squatting for 10 minutes straight. Before I walked over to the bridge, I turned back to Ethan and I asked, you will be watching me the whole time, right? Yes, dude, I promise. He was so serious now, not like he was at school. I actually believed him. Now I was beginning to get nervous. I started walking, trying to tread softly so that I could hear any and all noises around me in case there was any funny business. But it was quiet, unnaturally quiet. In between the slight crunches of gravel underfoot, all I could hear was my own breathing. Eventually, I came to the edge of the bridge. I didn't step onto it yet. I didn't really feel like dying today. I turned to where Ethan was and he raised himself over the brush he was making hand gestures toward me. 
He wanted me to step onto the bridge. I swallowed hard and continued. The first step made the wood underneath me creak, and it echoed throughout the woods around us. It was terrifying. It felt like it took ages to reach the middle, but the moment I did, I stopped and I listened. It was no longer silent. There was a very faint sound in the air. It was rhythmic and high-pitched. It got louder by the second. Until soon, I could make a guess at the noise. It sounded like a young girl humming a tune. I had no idea what tune it was, and that didn't really matter at the time. It sounded like someone was coming, but the humming itself seemed to be coming from every direction at once. I was beginning to panic. I turned to Ethan, silently asking him permission to get off the bridge, but when I saw his face from the bushes, my heart sank. His eyes were wide, and his mouth was open, and then I felt a cold breath on the back of my neck. I was done. I ran from that spot, not even stopping to grab Ethan, but thankfully he ran as soon as I did. We did not stop until we got to my house, where we literally collapsed from exhaustion. We were on my front lawn on our backs, trying to catch our breaths for the next 10 minutes. When we could finally speak, I asked him, What the heck was that? Who was behind me? Did I almost get kidnapped? He stared back at me with the widest eyes. No, 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 no. It was nothing like that, man. So it's all true, he said to himself. What? What's true? You said you'd tell me if I went with you. What's this all about? I was desperate for an answer. Then he explained it to me. Apparently, it was a local urban legend. Every year, someone would get a note in their locker on Valentine's Day. On it, there would be red lipstick and a message to go to the low water bridge later that night. No one ever did it though, so a lot of people believed it was just a prank and they would throw the note away. The story goes, it all started in the 1980s when a certain girl attended our school. Nobody knows her name, so we all call her Lisa Black. She was a troubled girl who was bullied by her peers. On a cold February 14th, she jumped over Lowwater Bridge, which at that time had deep flowing waters beneath it, and she drowned. Ever since then, every Valentine's Day, someone would receive that note in their locker that note with a request and a red lipstick stain. Personally, I'm not sure if I even believe that story. I don't know how I didn't hear it the other two years I'd been there. I mean, it could have all been a prank that was never revealed to me. But what I can't explain though was the sound of the humming that came from every direction and the look on Ethan's face of sheer terror. After all, I had never seen Ethan so serious before in my life. Number two, Valentine's Day Stalker, submitted by Amber G. The story took place during a difficult time for my family. My mother and father had just divorced and my mom was trying to get on her feet again as a newly single mother of two. My dad got into a bad accident and he almost didn't make it, so he couldn't do much to help my mom physically or financially. So my mom moved us from New York to Pennsylvania, a new state, but not terribly far away. This way, my mom was closer to her work. My little sister and I were having a hard time with so many new changes. Parents divorced, almost losing our father, living in a new place, and starting a new school. 
We started to get a hang of things, and soon it became easier. I started making new friends, and it all seemed like it was going okay. I noticed this guy that would always follow me around the school, and if I'm being honest, I didn't mind. We'll call him Greg. Greg was very attractive, and we began to talk a little. Not too much, just the normal what's your name kind of stuff. Soon, I found myself having a small crush on him. It was totally based off of looks because again, we didn't talk much and we hardly knew each other. This is going to sound so stereotypical, but it's true. When I came home from school, I began feeling very watched. I didn't know by what or who, but I just couldn't shake the feeling. Then later on, Greg would mention small things there would be no way of him knowing. For example, one night my mom asked me what I wanted for dinner and I told her my favorite, tacos. The next day, he made a comment along the lines of, you like tacos, so do I. And at first, I thought it was just a coincidence, but then it became too many coincidences, and I started to put it all together. So now comes Valentine's Day. We had to give everyone in our class Valentine's Day cards. I got all mine and never really looked at them until I got home. I got one from Greg. It was just the standard card with nothing special until I noticed I had got an extra card with no name and had a mushy love poem written on it, followed by, I love you and I'm watching. Instantly, I panicked and at the same time, I sighed in relief. It's creepy someone wrote this and claimed to be watching, but it also validated I was right and I wasn't being crazy or paranoid. I took out the card from Greg and compared it to the card with the poem. The handwriting didn't match but I know if it were me doing this, I'd be smart enough to change my writing up. Still though, I had no proof it was this guy at this point, and I had to get creative. I thought to myself, Greg has to know I like him if he's really been watching me. I've talked about him to my sister, and I've said how cute I thought he was and all of that. And that's when it hit me. Aha, I'll carry on like normal and bring up a conversation with my sister in a few days, and I'll mention another guy instead of him. If Greg says anything about it, then I'll know for sure it was him. So I waited a couple of days to have this conversation with my sister, so it wasn't so obvious I was baiting him. I picked out a guy that was pretty cute and believable, but also a guy that I've never spoken to or had any ties to. So no one could suspect anything going on with this guy without hearing it from me themselves. So I did it. I told my sister. Just like clockwork, Greg approached me, he sat next to me silently and art class started. We started drawing and then it happened. He looked at me dead in the face and said, I know you don't like me. You like Kevin. My heart dropped and I didn't have much to say other than, I don't even know Kevin. In my mind, I was even more freaked out and even more relieved to know it was definitely him. The story has a boring ending because after this, we moved back to New York. Thank God. I still stay in touch with some of my friends I made at that school, and a few weeks ago, I was catching up with one of them. She mentioned Greg and informed me that he had been arrested. Apparently, he beat his girlfriend, and beyond that, there was an investigation going on, and Greg was apparently charged with sexual assault. Greg really did a number on this girl. She had to be put in the hospital. And all I can say is thank God I got out of there when I did. Who knows what his intentions were with me? And remember, crazy does not have a look. Even the most attractive of people can be crazy stalkers.
This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Number 3. Last Date Submitted by Abby B. My last date didn't turn out too well. Valentine's Day 2016, I had made plans to go out. For privacy reasons, I'll change the guy's name to Jacob. Jacob was very tall, had green eyes, and much like me, a single parent. I just got back to dating after I left my ex, so I wasn't expecting much, but somehow we hit it off. He seemed so nice. He had a profession though that I knew I was scared of, but that didn't really matter. I mean, I didn't really call him my boyfriend or anything. I began to realize that I didn't really like him. I didn't tell him this and I would tell him not to come over anymore. And this is where it gets weird. Jacob did come over one last time so I could tell him I didn't want to go back out with him. He said he understood. He said he would leave me alone and not bother me anymore. Then it happened on Valentine's Day 2016. I had made plans to go out with someone else. I had my kids stay at their father's house. I was out and having a nice time with this new guy. I felt more comfortable with him and I had no reason to be scared of him. I spent the night at my mom's trying to clear my mind when all of a sudden my phone rings. I pick up my phone and it's my landlord. He said to me, Abby, did you have someone come over the last two nights? I replied very confused. No, I haven't been home. She replied back something like, don't be scared to say it, but are you and the neighbor having an affair? I stop and think, and then I remember, the neighbor and Jacob look exactly alike in the dark. You could easily say one is the other. No, I'm not having an affair with the neighbor, but are you sure it was him? Did you see him go back to his house? My landlord said she never saw him go in my neighbor's house or mine. She's only seen the guy on Valentine's Day and the day after. I talked to my neighbor and I know it can't be him, as he told me he wasn't home. I didn't think it could be my neighbor because he and his wife give me hand-me-down clothes for my daughter from their daughter. So it must have been Jacob. What if I was there those nights? What would that have meant? So here's a tip to anyone who's going to leave another. Just do it because whatever told you to leave is probably right. To this day, I have no idea what he was planning, but Jacob, let's never meet again. 
Number four, my crazy obsessed friend, submitted by Moon. Before I really tell this story, I need to catch you up. This is the second time this has happened, but hopefully the last. This happened the same year I met Joe and all of this went down. My ex Matt had moved away, so I was single. It was Valentine's Day week and this was usually the time people start getting all lovey-dovey, but I don't care much for it, mainly because I find myself sick every Valentine's Day. There was this girl, let's call her Darla, because I want to respect her. Darla and I were pretty good friends. We hung out and had a few classes together. She had previously told me she was gay, and I respected that. Frankly, I was proud to be her friend. So what are you gonna do for Valentine's Day? She asked me. Jessica heard and knowing my Valentine's Day curse, she butted in. Probably be sick in bed all day and watch anime. People around us laughed, even me. But Darla didn't. She kept a straight face and kept staring at me. I was kind of creeped out, but I didn't say anything and kept talking. But as Valentine's Day kept getting closer and closer, she would keep a better eye on me, constantly wanted to be around me. It must have been four or five days away from Valentine's when she sent me a message. Hey, are you awake? It was about midnight, but I happened to be awake. Yeah, what's up? Oh, I just wanted to make sure you were okay. I'm fine. It's 12, Darla. What did you need? Well, I love you, Moon, is what I remember. I did fall asleep, tired after waiting for a response for 30 minutes. The next day when I saw Darla, she ran at me and pushed me against the wall and screamed, why didn't you answer? Jessica had to pull her off of me, but I couldn't believe what had just happened. I froze watching Darla scream at Jessica that I was hers and that no one else could touch me. After that, I ended up going home early. Randomly, I had gotten a text from Darla. She apologized to me for everything she did. I said it was fine and I forgave her but over time, we just stopped talking. Our friendship faded into distant memory. One day, as I was on my way to church, I looked up from my phone to see a poster, one of those police missing people posters, but with Darla's picture. My heart sank. I had a friend who we can call Abby. I asked her what had happened to Darla because she still went to the same school as her. Apparently, after I left, Darla became distant and soon she went missing. The negative people say she killed herself, and others say she just ran away. After everything that happened, I can't help but feel that I was responsible. Number five, Valentine Stalker, submitted by Sick Love. This started when I was in middle school. I was 12 at the time, so having a valentine was everything to me. I was a social kid and I liked this boy. We'll call him Kenneth. And honestly, I thought he liked me back. Every day of that February after lunch, there were little notes that someone put in my locker. I thought it was weird because his locker was far from mine, but I was a daydreamer. I just thought that he liked me back, that he liked me enough that he would leave notes for me. The day before Valentine's, a kid that was very skinny and was wearing a black hood with a lion's logo stood in front of my locker, blocking me from it. Hi, he said, shivering. Would you like to go on a date? I had never seen this guy before. 
I was trying to see how awkward it would be if we were on a date and we didn't know what to talk about. Sorry, I have plans, I said, and I walked away. It was really weird. Later, I was walking home and I stopped to get something from Target. I was looking at some candy bars when I noticed someone that was as tall as me. He had this hood with a lion's logo on it. I left with the candy bar and I started to make my way home. I called my mom to tell her that I was going to be late. There was a shortcut that was an abandoned train station. I would only take it when I was going to be late. As I was walking, a bush next to me started to move. And I don't know why, but after what I saw at the store, I freaked out and I ran the rest of the way home. When I finally got home, I got out my phone and I saw a text. It was from an unknown number. There were pictures of me running and me walking around the store. I immediately showed them to my mom and she simply said it was probably friends. Friends or not, that's simply creepy. The next day I showed my friends the number. They looked at the number and said, that's, that's the weird kid's number. I know because he gave it to me and I never texted him. This really freaked me out. I still see him around the school, but when I do, I'll glare at him and I try to keep my distance. And number six, the break-in, submitted by Ralph. For this story, I will need to tell you a bit of background information. I am six feet tall, 16 years old, and I live in a very small country named Latvia. Probably some of you know it. I have shared this story only with close friends, other family members, and my parents. We live in a two-story house, and my room is on the second floor. My parents often leave me home alone because they travel a lot for work things. This happened on Valentine's Day 2015. It was a cold winter night and I had just broken up with my girlfriend, so I was completely alone to watch the house. It was around eight that night. I was downstairs watching TV shows on Netflix when I heard a light knocking on my living room door. I got up to look outside and there was no one there. After an hour or so, I heard the tapping again I peeked outside, only to see someone running by the bush where the road leads to another street. I thought someone was pranking me, so I didn't really care too much. After a half hour of watching TV shows, I got bored, so I asked my friend to come over. He lived about five minutes away from where I live. For safety purposes, I'll call him Jake. Jake was shorter than me and a year younger. He came over and we played some video games. After a while, I needed to go pee, so I went upstairs to use the bathroom. When I got back to the living room, Jake told me he heard tapping on the window. I wasn't surprised, and I told him before he got here, I heard the tapping too. One hour passed, and then we heard the tapping coming again, and we ignored it. After about three minutes, we heard footsteps upstairs, and that's when things got serious. We muted the game. The footsteps stopped. We thought the footsteps were in the game, so we continued to play trying to listen at the same time. Then we heard something heavy fall upstairs in my parents' bedroom. I paused the game and me and Jake went upstairs. We checked every room. We checked my parents' last. I peeked inside the room and saw nothing. It was pitch black. And I turned on the light and went into the room with Jake behind me. Jake checked the closet and I checked everywhere else. As we were leaving the room, I forgot that we did not check under the bed. So I hesitantly asked Jake if he could just quickly look. He walked over slowly, obviously a bit anxious. He looked under the bed. 
and he jumped up faster than I've ever seen him get up. He bolted out of the room without saying a word, and I quickly turned off the light and slammed the door shut. Jake was already downstairs. I rushed down there to him, and he was pale as snow. I asked him what was wrong, and his answer made my heart sink. He said there was someone under the bed, smiling with eyes wide open. We rushed outside and called the police. We hid behind a bush that was in front of my home. As I was on the line with the police officer, Jake and I saw my parents' bedroom light come on. I asked them to come over as fast as they possibly could. We watched the house for about 10 minutes, but we saw no movement inside. When police finally arrived, two officers went to search the house, and the third officer asked a couple of questions. After a moment, the two police officers came out of the house with a middle-aged man. He had a long beard with wide, bloodshot eyes. His face was full of scars and bruises. Now I get why Jake looked so pale. One of the police officers told us that the man had a knife hidden in one of his pockets. He had broken in by an unlocked bedroom window, but how on earth did he get up to the second floor? I have no idea. The police called my family, who said they'd be back in town as soon as they possibly could. Nothing like that has happened since that day, but I still get goosebumps thinking about and writing this, because it sounds like, even if I didn't invite Jake over, I still wouldn't have spent Valentine's Day alone. No matter who you are, Valentine's Day is meant to be a fun day. For those of you who are alone, please don't feel alone. Spend the day with family, treat yourself to ice cream and a movie. Don't forget how beautiful of a person you are. Valentine's Day shouldn't be about other people. It should be about finding happiness within and without yourself because happiness really is the meaning of life. Be excellent to each other and truly love yourself. Thanks for watching and be safe this Valentine's Day. And don't forget, you'll all be my Valentine if that's any consolation. Good night, Night Watchers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.